0: Hello and welcome to the Actually Making a Difference podcast, the show about starting, growing and marketing your purpose-led business. No magic wands, no false promises, just simple, straightforward and honest advice based on decades of experience. I'm your host, Sarah Price, and you are ready to actually make a difference. Hello there and welcome to the Actually Making a Difference podcast, your one-stop shop for tips, insights and support to help you to start, grow and promote your impact business. This episode is the last of a mini series looking at stories in business. We've explored why stories are so powerful in business. We've looked at the six different types of stories that you need. We've considered where you might find your stories and how you can start your story in a way that captures attention. Today I want to consider a very special kind of story, your origin story. The simple core message that you want to get across in this story is this, this is me, this is who I am and you can trust me. Now a great way to begin tracking down your origin story is to consider your passion, to connect with your passion, whatever it is that lit the spark that led to you being in business, doing what you're doing now. And as you connect with that passion, ask yourself a simple question. Where did it start? What ignited that passion? And then what was it that fanned the flames? If you look back over your life, you will see the thread, the connection. You can find the moments that all led you inexorably, inescapably to where you are now. You'll see the people you met, the realisations, the events, the experiences that led you to here, to this passion, to this business. Now, focusing in on your passion is not the only way to tell an origin story, but I believe it's one of the best. And if you craft it well, it will answer two Fundamental questions. Who are you and why are you here? It will also give people an insight into your motivations and your values, all of which are vital to getting your relationship with your people off on the right foot. Now, we have some sense of what an origin story is, but I want to make clear what it is not. I spent the first half of my career in-house. I was a political advisor, a lobbyist, a director of communications. I ran special projects for TFL, Transport for London. I had worked with nearly all of the big PR agencies in London, and I'd had most of them pitch to me at some point. So when I went to join one of the world's biggest PR agencies, they asked me if I would be a pitch doctor. I spent a lot of time sitting in on pitches across the agency, acting as if I were the client and then giving the team feedback on what I thought of the pitch and what I'd taken away from it. Would I appoint them or not? I was really shocked to realise that nearly every one of their pitches began with about 15 slides in which the agency team would share information about the agency. Not only that, but most of this information was factual and stuff that any client would have found out before shortlisting us in the first place. We're a globally networked agency. Well, that's not a surprise. We have offices in 80 different countries. Well, thank you so much. Now I know what a globally networked agency means. It was boring, insulting And it meant that they had to work that much harder to get me, the client, interested in what they were actually pitching. I gave this feedback to one team after another, after another. And then I got my chance to lead a pitch team myself. Now, I had spent a couple of months by this point telling them all how bad their pitches were. So the pressure was on, as you can imagine. The first thing I did was ban my team From using any of the standard introduction to us slides in our presentation. And then I told them we were going to open the pitch by saying something like, We assume that you know a bit about the agency and who we are, because otherwise we wouldn't be here in the room. So instead of boring you by reciting a load of information that you already know, we'd like instead to tell you a story. I won that pitch. And I went on, not only in that agency, but in the agency that I co-founded a few years later, to have one of the highest conversion conversion rates in my industry, which was, as you can imagine, a huge relief. An origin story, a story about you and who you are and why you're here, is not a recitation of facts and statistics, It's not about sharing information that your people already know or could find out with a quick Google search. It's not a series of dates and qualifications. It's not your CV. It is a story and your origin story is absolutely key to ensuring that your invitation works, that your sales work because it builds trust. And before you can influence people or persuade them to buy from you, they must trust you. To build trust, they must know who you are and why you're here. And nothing is going to do that better than story. They must feel as if they know something about you, something unexpected or intimate, perhaps. They must feel as if they know what kind of person you are what's important to you, and you cannot fake it. You need to be authentic. You need to be willing to share something real about your life, which I know is going to make some people uncomfortable. But if there is no emotion in your origin story, if it's not real and maybe even raw as a story of who you truly are, then there is no point in telling it. Now, you can use your origin story at any part of the sales and marketing cycle. You can use it to attract people towards you. You can use it to nurture your relationship with them. You can use it as part of your invitation. You can use it during your delivery and in any number of ways. You can use it as your about me section on your website, or use a cut back version of it as your introduction when you're giving a presentation or running a workshop or speaking at an event. The point is that the story builds rapport. Now, I've already shared some examples of stories and origin stories in this podcast. These stories give you some insights into who I am and why I'm here, what motivates me. The belief that purpose and profit can align, my rage at the injustice of people feeling that they have to choose between making a difference, being of service and making a living. But today I want to share another story which I hope will inspire you to consider your own origin story. I am passionate about communications and that passion began with an even greater love, my great love words. Spoken, written words. Words that are used to explain, to persuade, to promote and to entice. Words are my passion and my love for words is where my story starts. It's late. I should be asleep. I'm lying in bed, snuggled down under my warm duvet. I can smell the soap from my bedtime bath and the faint scent of lavender drifting up from the garden through the open window. My sister is already fast asleep, breathing softly and occasionally muttering something about jam tarts and a fish. I wonder for a moment what her imagination has conjured up to entertain her as she sleeps. I can hear the faint sounds of the TV in the kitchen Running water, dishes, cutlery, clashing together, drawers opening and closing. Mum is clearing up after dinner. But I am listening intently for a very specific sound. And there it is. Tyres on gravel. Dad is home. The car door opens and closes, the back door too soft, affectionate murmuring in the kitchen and then the sound of dad's reassuringly heavy tread on the stairs as he comes up to say goodnight. I cannot contain myself. No hello, no how are you. The self-centeredness of childhood has not yet been socialised out of me. I have been waiting for ages and I'm impatient. Please daddy, will you tell me a story? Before I could read, I loved stories and I loved those moments spent with my wonderful dad, often still in his suit, smelling of aftershave and cigars and great red wine. He would read me novels and fairy tales in his deep gravelly voice and I was transported away from the shadows of my room and the warmth of my bed to a cold world beyond a wardrobe to a hobbit's home a princess's castle, or a speeding spaceship. Books were doors to other worlds, and as much as I loved that time with my dad, I was impatient to get the keys to those doors for myself. By the time I was five, I was a voracious reader. I read everything I could lay my hands on, I didn't confine myself to books and comics. I read newspapers, serial packets, ads on buses, leaflets that came in the mail. If it had words on it, I wanted to devour them. By the age of eight, I'd read nearly every book in our house and was making regular trips to the mobile library for more, only constrained by what I thought was a really stupid rule about the number of books that could be withdrawn at any one time and the fact that the librarian wouldn't let me get books from the grown-up section does that rule make any sense to you? Never did to me. Every day, I would immerse myself in another world created by another author simply by scratching words onto a page. I thought words were actually magical. They could create these worlds that were my escape. And I've never really lost that sense Of the magic of words. When I was about nine, I moved to a new school. I was the posh girl from the convent school with perfect diction and no knowledge of slang or swear words, showing up in a blazer to a mixed state funded primary school where every child appeared to be speaking a foreign language to my somewhat naive ears. To the children there, I was an oddity. They nicknamed me Posh Paws after the dinosaur on a popular children's TV programme of the time and they made fun of my voice, my hair, the clothes that my mum spent hours making for me. The first few months at that school were amongst the loneliest of my life. I was bullied relentlessly by a girl called Michelle and her friends and would come home each evening exhausted and wrung out from trying so hard to be brave. I learned that the magic of words could be used to destroy worlds as well as create them, that they could be weapons as well as spells. And I've never lost the respect I developed for words in those few months, or my commitment never to misuse them. As a teenager, studying history, I became intrigued by the civil rights movement in the US. Sitting in a stuffy classroom, exhorted by Miss Stone to feel the power of his words, I listened to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech with goosebumps, and I realised that words could not only create worlds, they could change our world, make it better, make it fairer. For many years, I struggled to decide what I wanted to do when I grew up, beyond the desperate yearning of a girl from a small island to move to the big bad city of London. Now that I look back, it seems almost inevitable, really. PR, marketing, campaigning, of course. This is what I was meant to do with all those words. And throughout nearly three decades, as a communications professional, and a successful entrepreneur, I have never lost my belief in the power of words to create change. So now I spend my days helping people just like you to start and grow healthy and sustainable businesses so that you can create change, make your difference, and make a living. And at the heart of everything I do, still to this day, the power of of words. That is my origin story. If you would like to share yours with me, I would love to read it. Just drop into the Actually Making a Difference Facebook group and post it there, because you're ready and it's time to actually make a difference. Thank you for listening to the Actually Making a Difference podcast with me, Sarah Price. Come and join a community of purpose in our free and friendly Actually Making a Difference Facebook group. Because now that you're part of my world, you need never feel alone on this entrepreneurial journey. And you will always be welcome.